Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and tell among, until fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by, now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came there, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave, him, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. If you have your Bibles this evening, please turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there, there came down a certain priest that, that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, the Levite, when he, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and, when he, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and, what, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among th that fell among the thieves? And he said, The one that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do likewise. This parable is commonly known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. There are many lessons we can learn from this parable. Tonight I want to look at four of those involved in the text of Scripture. First I want to look at the mind of the lawyer, the mind of the robbers, the mind of the priest and the Levite, and the mind of the Samaritan. First we're going to look at the mind of the lawyer. The lawyer in verse, 20, in verse 25 tempted Jesus with a question. The lawyer wanted Jesus to say something that was against the law so they would have a reason to punish Jesus. This was not the first time Jesus had been tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus 
Satan tempted Jesus three times shortly after Jesus was baptized. The devil also wants to tempt us today with many things that are out in the world. We need to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil, Ephesians 6.11. Now let's look at the mind of the robbers. The robbers had one thing on their mind, that was money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. You can have money, but you can't love it. Because if you love it, then you will have evil. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. They wanted, they wanted to take the money from this man, even if it meant that the innocent Jew would, would be harmed. In verse 30, it says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. The robbers wanted everything that this, that this Jew had and did, not, and did not care how they got it. They were thieves, but, in Ephes but Ephesians 4.28 states, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he, that he may be able to give him that needeth. The mindset of the robbers was, what, what is yours is mine, and if necessary, I will use force and hurt you. We cannot, we cannot do evil so that we can have finer things in life. We find the finer things in life in Jesus. Philippians 3 verse 9 says, And, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Next we'll look at the minds of the priests and the Levites. Both of these men passed by the man who was robbed. Both of these men had an obligation to help this man, but did, but did nothing. These were men who vowed to be men of God, but yet did not help a man who was wounded. The priest and the Levite had an opportunity to do good, but they did not seize that opportunity. Throughout the New Testament, we read that, that we are not to neglect the opportunity to do good. James tells us in James 4, Verse 17, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Do we neglect the opportunity to do good by not coming to church? <coughs> Hebrews 10.25 states that not forsaking the, assemb the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We cannot exhort or bring up each other if we are not here. By not coming to church, we are neglecting the right to do good. Do you neglect the opportunity to do good by not preaching and teaching the gospel? 1 Corinthians 9.16 says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me, yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. The apostle knew that he had to preach the gospel. If we do not preach, if we do not teach the gospel to our friends at our school, then who will? If we do not teach the gospel to our co-workers at work, then who will? Last we look at the mind of the Samaritan. The Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. In reality, they were enemies. Remember when Jesus had the conversation with the Samaritan woman at, J at Jacob's well in John 4? His disciples questioned why Jesus, being a Jew, was, was talking to a Samaritan. But here you have a Samaritan who, 
who looked all over of that, and when he saw him, and when he saw someone in need, he helped them. The Samaritan showed compassion on the man like David did in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. He refused to kill Saul, and even though Saul hated him and Saul wanted to kill David, David still showed the same compassion towards Saul as the Samaritan did towards the wounded Jew. The Samaritan put the wounded man on his donkey and brought him to an inn. The distance they traveled was not told, so it could have been a great distance or just a short one. Jesus tells us how to act towards our fellow man in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. The Samaritan showed pity on the man who was robbed, and therefore the Samaritan was the good neighbor. After looking at this parable, we need to decide which group of men we fit in. Are we like the robbers and cause bad things to happen to others? Or are we like the priest and the Levite who claim to be followers of God, but when, we, but when someone needs help, we do nothing? Or are we like the Samaritan who when we see someone in need, we help them no matter what our differences may be? Number 674. The scripture reading for a dusty sermon tonight will be taken from Luke chapter 12, verses 37 through 39. Luke chapter 12, verses 37 through 39. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if, and if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, Blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known that hour of the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Good evening, everybody. I want to thank you all for coming out tonight and supporting our youth night tonight. If you would, turn with me to Luke 12, verses 35 through 37. Let your, wa let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and yourself be like men who wait for their master when he will return from, from the wedding that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching assuredly I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. In verse 35, one would gird up his way so he could be, so he could move more swiftly. Jesus is making a spiritual application to be to a physical dress. When I go to church, I have to be physically dressed. And this time of writing, they would need a lamp to travel at night. They would need their lamp to be burning so they wouldn't waste time at night lighting. Jesus is making a point in this verse that they would be ready at a moment's notice. So they would also need to have their lamp ready. Now if you will, look at verse 36. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. 
His servants will not wait to open the door, but open the door immediately. When someone knocks at your door, you don't wait to answer the door. You go and invite them in. When Christ returns, there are no second chances. It is too late if you are not ready. Jesus is telling us to be right with the Lord when he returns. He is saying that we need to be watching for him so we can be prepared spiritually when he returns in verse 37. If you will, look at there. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that when we gird up himself, he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. The ones looking for Jesus when he will turn will be the blessed servants. Here again, the servant must be girded, which means dressed and ready. Girded means they, they would pick up their robe in this time of riding so they could move more swiftly if they were to be walking or moving. We must be ready for when the Lord comes back. Now, if you will, look with me at verses 38 through 40 in Luke 12. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants. But now, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Be ready for the unexpected when the Lord returns. Be prepared for when he returns. In verse 38, we must go, we must not grow tired even in the second watch or the third watch. You must be ready at all time. The ones that are ready for the Lord will be the blessed ones. Now if you will look at verse 39. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would watch and not allow his house to be broken into. Now most of y'all have seen one of the eight Home Alone movies. The little boy is preparing himself for the two thieves or robbers because he knows they will be coming. He does not know what day or what hour. So he is preparing in advance. He's not waiting and saying they're not coming tonight or tomorrow. He's preparing that night, that hour. No one knows when he, Jesus is coming back, not even the angels in heaven, only our Father in heaven is. If you knew when he was coming back, you would prepare yourself to have eternal life with him in heaven. But we do not know when he is coming. Now if you will, look at verse 40. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming, I mean, at an hour you do not expect. You must be ready for the Son of Man will return at an hour you do not expect. In this verse, it is saying you will not know, no one knows, and you will not expect it. You must be ready 24-7 for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You must be ready 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every hour, every minute. Now, if you will, look with me at Matthew 24, verse 36. Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Here it says in this verse, 
not even the angels, but my Father only. Now, if you will, look at Mark 13, verse 32. Mark 13, verse 32. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of seven, nor the Son, but only the Father. In this verse, it says, nor the Son. So, not even Jesus knows. Only our God, our Father in heaven. Now, if you will, turn and look in 2 Peter verse, in chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with, with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And this verse is saying everything will be burned up. The pews you are sitting on will be burned up. The feet, the ground your feet are standing on will be burned up. Everything will be burned. We must be ready for the unexpected when he returns. Now, if you will, turn back at, to Luke 12, verses 41 through 46. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food as due cease son? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says he, in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him into two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. God is promising us that if we are faithful, we will have a home in heaven with him. Now, if you will, turn back with me to look at verses 41 and 42. And Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then? is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over all his household to give them their portion of food is due in due season. Everyone should be faithful to their master. You can consider faithfulness like a dog to their owner. To their own. Today, our master is our Lord in heaven. We should have an attitude like described, mentioned in Matthew 8, 19. If you would, turn with me there now. Matthew eight nineteen, And then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. This scribe is telling him he will follow him wherever he goes. Now, if you will, look at verse 44. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Of Luke 12. The faithful one is granted more responsibility. In Luke 19, 13 through 27, in this parable, the five-talent man earned five more talents that he must care for. He must care for the five talents that he earned so he can go out and earn more. He can't just throw them in his pocket and forget about them or lose them. He must care for them. The more 
the more ability we have, the more responsibility we have. If you will, look at Luke 12, verses 45 through 46. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat male and female servants and to, beat, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will come and will cut him into and appoint him his portions with the unbelievers. Everyone with more responsibility is expected to still be faithful. Christians today have the gospel message which we have to be faithful. In Revelations 2.10, it says, Be thy faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. If you are faithful, you will have a home in heaven with him. If you are not faithful, please come forward at the conclusions of services after the final lesson. Scripture reading for this evening for Taylor will be Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Good evening. Before I'd like to get in my lesson tonight, I'd like to especially thank the elders for letting us come up here again and spread the word to you. And also, the invitation song will be number 467, and it won't be on the screen. Tonight, I'll be talking on the parable of the vineyard and the workers. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 21 through 16. In verse 1, we're brought to our first point of the kingdom of heaven in a parable. In this parable, the kingdom of heaven is referred to as getting a job. These parables teach us lessons through real life scenarios. I myself recently got a job, and as the workers in this parable in the field worked hard for their money, I worked hard to earn my worthy reward. The kingdom of heaven has a lot of work needed to be done, just as a vineyard needed work also. John 4.35 tells us that the fields are ready to be harvested. By fields, he means the righteous or idle people are also always ready to be brought to the Lord. The crops in this verse that Jesus is talking about only had about four months until the harvest season. But the spiritual harvest is always ready. For example, the door knocking the youth did two weeks ago to encourage visitors and non-members of the church to come to our gospel meeting and the commercials we recently started airing are also examples of spiritual harvesting. Where I work, there are many positions to be filled for work to be done. This work cannot be done by only one person. Matthew 5:16. one way that we can work in the harvest is to let our light shine among others. Also, we have to encourage workers for the task at hand. In verses 2 through 4, when coming to the marketplace, the landowner saw people standing idle and told them to go work in his vineyard. We need more workers, which only comes by us converting more people. If you turn your Bible to Mark 16, 15, it encourages us that we should go into all the world and spread his good word. For example, those of you with idle friends could encourage those with no boss or overseer to come to the church to be hired by the Lord. Idle Christians will not get anything done without working towards their goal of heaven. Notice in verse 2 
they had all agreed to work on a certain wage of a denarius, which in our time is a day's pay. Also in verse 5, later in the day, he went out again and continued to tell idle people to work for him. Verses 6 through 7, later in the afternoon, he also found workers and said to them, Why have you been standing idle? Because, why have you been standing idle? And they replied, Because no one has hired us. Therefore he sent them to work as well. There is always work to be done. 1 Corinthians 15.58 states, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says that we should be steadfast, unmovable, and abounding in the work of the Lord. Meaning that we should work hard and tedious in our work for the Lord. For as much as we know, our labor is not in vain. Meaning our work for the Lord most certainly won't be overlooked. Finally, we'll look at the reward after your work is done. In verses 8 through 10, at the end of the day when the wages were paid, all the workers received the same pay. No matter how long you are a Christian, or how early or late in life you become one, you can still get to heaven. But according to Matthew 24:42, no one knows the certain hour or day that the judgment will come. So you don't want to risk that. Verses 11 and 12, the workers who had worked longer complained about being paid the same as those who started work later in the afternoon. On Judgment Day, we shouldn't be upset because someone who becomes a Christian way later in their life than, say, we did, we cannot be upset because they worked for a less amount of time to get to heaven. We should, we should actually encourage people to become brothers and sisters in Christ so that we all may be together one day in heaven. John 14, 1-4 says that God has prepared a home in heaven for all Christians, implying no matter how long or how short they have been a Christian, they can still get to heaven. Verses 13 through 16, the landowner told them that they all agreed before they worked for a set pay that he believed everyone should get. When we are baptized into Christ, we are agreeing to follow him and abide by his word, and as a reward, a home in heaven with him, no matter how long it takes. Just as they agreed to receive a denarius, no matter how long they worked. It's possible that here tonight, some may be idle in their work for Christ, and we would, like, we would like to change that. It's also possible that some may not have started their life with Christ. If you haven't, then make the choice tonight to work for Christ. In order to become a Christian, you must believe. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Repent. Acts 2.38. Confess. Romans 10.9. Be baptized. Mark 16, 16, and remain faithful, as Dusty has just mentioned, Revelations 2.10. Following all these steps of becoming a Christian, we then, we then receive the reward which is promised us, a home in heaven. If you're struggling in Christ or need the love and prayers from our church, I'd like to ask you now to come forward as we stand and as we sing.